uh, posed last week, presented to us last week, and we'll continue over the next uh, foreseeable while to uh, just walk through that a little bit, just to dive into uh, that reality and that uh, really just question, that deep, heart-wrenching question of trust in uh, the Lord. And so for me, five weeks um, of sabbatical where I got to just get away and um, and just press into the Lord, spend time with family, visit some other churches, just be uh, poured into, encouraged, learn, um, it has just been refreshing, and I am back, and I'm ready to go church. Um, I'm telling you right now, I mean, buckle up, baby, because we, we about to, we're about to go somewhere. Um, and, and I don't just mean in the scriptures, I mean, it, it, like it's time. Like, I, I don't know if you feel that or if you're aware of that, but just as we look at our world, if we just look at our community, if we just look at where God has placed us in this time, in this day, and, and what he has uh, created us for and sustained us for and shaped and formed us uh, for, man, we, we were built for a time like this. I mean, he, he, has, he has commissioned us, anointed us, and called us to, to be for a specific time just as this. The more the world is in disarray and chaotic and crazy, the more, man, the church should be rising to the surface. I mean, we have great, great opportunity. And so for me, as, as I was away and kind of uh, just got to see that more and just kind of be aware of some things as I, I just stilled myself away with the Lord, it just, he, I mean, he just pressed me on that. And really what he did was just, he just, I felt like he just kind of asked me that question over and over and over. Scott, do you trust me? And my answer at first, I was like, God, yeah. I mean, you're the God of the universe. Why would I not trust you? You're sending your son to die for me? I mean, you've done an amazing work in this work. Yeah. And then he said, well, what about there? Well, God, let's go back to over here for a moment. You know, like, like when he starts to press on some of those areas and starts to kind of push on, because he, he knows those areas, does he not? He is aware and he knows those, those crevices of our heart where we kind of tuck away things or maybe we don't uh, allow uh, certain things in very often. And he begins to press and he begins to touch on some of those areas. And so I just really believe uh, just those last the five weeks that I was gone, he just started to work on some of those areas and brought up some uh, areas of, of sin in my life that I needed to repent of, some conviction that needed to be uh, uh, just put back even harder and greater. And so he did that to me personally, but then even as I got to step back and kind of just assess where we're at as the people of God, I feel like there's some things that we need to do as well. There's some things that we can do better. There's some areas that we need to put some attention to. And so I just really feel like he pressed that on my heart. Scott, do you trust me? But, but church, do you trust him? I mean, do, do you fully trust him? Are you going to run after him in reckless abandonment and do what he says and be a part of what he has commissioned us to be a part of. And so last week, we just we started this whole thing, and we looked at Proverbs 3, 5. It's a very uh, simplistic but deep uh, verse on trust, where it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And, and so it's every ounce of our being is to be uh, uh, abandoned in trust. And we're not talking about faith for salvation here, but we're talking about that next step after that. After we come to know Christ, now it's, it's that following and obeying. It's that believing and trusting in, in his leading and his guiding I mean, the very creator and sustainer of everything is in control. Do you trust him? Not, not our knowledge, not our feelings, not our desires, not what the world says is good or bad, but, but what he says. And then that verse goes on and says, and not to lean in on your own understanding. And we just talked about for a few moments how that means just a conscious choice not to be self-reliant, not to be self-sustaining, to come to the place where we understand that we're inadequate, that, that we can't. That we're not smart enough, that we're not strong enough, that we're not great enough, and we turn from self-reliance, and, and, and we turn to our trust in Him. 
I mean, he's our sustainer. He's our everything. And so as I said before, I left on sabbatical. I mean, I just feel like God's been pressing and, and, and doing on my heart. And I believe that, 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 that there's, there's something that he wants to do here amongst us. In us, first and foremost, and then in our community. That, that he, there is this work that he wants to do. And, and my prayer has, has really been this the last few months. Is that God would do something so big and so crazy that there's no way that we can take any credit for it. That he would do something so just monumental for his glory and his honor that not one person in this place could get glory and honor for it. We didn't try harder. We didn't strategize a little better. We didn't. Uh, it was just it was him. It was us just following him and trusting him. And so we're just going to kind of keep walking through that question, like I said, for the next foreseeable future. And we'll just walk through what I believe he wants to do in you, in me. And us as a fellowship, so I'm going to ask you if you would join me as we pray this morning, and then we'll start to head toward Luke 5. Father, we love you. Jesus, we thank you for this opportunity to gather as your people. God, to hear uh, your word proclaimed. Thank you for the sweet worship that we've had and that we're continuing to have even in this moment as we come before your throne. Father, I just pray that you work and do in this place, God, and that your Holy Spirit would do a work in our heart. Uh, so, Father God, maybe for some in this room this morning, it would be that uh, effectual call of salvation on their heart. God, that you would awaken them to the reality of their need for you and salvation and that you would rescue and redeem. And so, Father, maybe for another, it may be just that uh, abandonment of self and turning to you, uh, God, and just glad obedience. And so that you would convict their God. But whatever you see fit to do in this place, Father, I just want to give, I, just, I, just, I invite you into that to do it. God, God, me. Help me to hear from you and follow after you, Lord. God, help all of us to hear from you and follow after. Father, thank you for your word. And we pray. Amen. Amen. So as I was looking this week, as I was kind of studying this week, I mean, it's a pretty, you may be familiar with this story, but there's this pretty big thing that happens toward the end of this story as we start to wind down and see. And as I was reading and studying and praying, it brought to my mind this illustration. It brought to my mind this thought. There are like certain team building things that sometimes teams will do or ministries will do or if you work in the business world, sometimes you'll get your team together or even in the school, sometimes there'll be retreats or different things that happen and you get your team together and, and you try to do certain things to, uh, to build uh, coherency and try to, to build trust and, uh, and different things like that. And so as I was like just reading this scripture over and over and over and as I was praying through this, and I don't know why my head goes to places like this, but, but my head went there. And I, I want to show you like, like when I spent some time Googling this week in preparation, this is how spiritual your pastor is, in preparation of, of where I believe God's leading us and just this whole thought of trust. And so Dave, if you, if you show them for just a second. Um, And I take this as probably the youth pastor. <laughs> and, and I don't know why my head went there. And, and I thought that I abused Austin enough last week and abused him through the week. Um, and so I thought I would leave him alone because, I mean, we could have, like, that would have been a great illustration here. Um, but, but, but I just, I, I thought of that. And my question was, like, would, would you do that? Would you take the free fall and trust those to catch you? And there's probably a very few amount of people in my life that I would trust to, like, really catch me. 
that, 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 that I could depend on, I, and maybe not even them, because they think it'd be funny, but, but I just, as I was studying, that exercise just ran through my head, and I just kept thinking about that, and I looked at it, and I Googled it, and, and it takes some trust to do that, doesn't it? I mean, in, in that guy, I guess the instructions wasn't very, very laid out very well, but, uh, but, but in that, knowing the instructions, knowing which way to fall, know what to do, there's still a level of trust, and it depends on, like, how high you are. Maybe on your trust level of, okay, will I do this, won't I do this, and, and kind of being aware of some, some elements in that. And, and so for me, it's, it's, it's kind of, I guess over the last five weeks or so, that, that's kind of been, I guess, the leading in my life and on my heart. And I guess I want to bring that before you today, church. Like, will you trust the Lord? I mean, will you really trust Him? And I know the knee-jerk quick answer is yes. I mean, yeah, I'm going to trust the Lord. Maybe most of the time. And then he starts to point on areas of where he wants you to trust him and where he wants you to follow and where he wants you to be a part of and where he wants you to, to lose this or to gain. It, it, he just starts to press on those areas. And then it's kind of like that trust starts to kind of dwindle a little bit. Like, yeah, maybe, maybe not. And so uh, my hope for us this morning is this. As we look at this story in Scripture is that, is that it would really just mean test our trust and see if we have it placed in the right place to see if we would do and live out that trust. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you to do what we see in the Scriptures today. I'm going to ask you, with, by way of help of the Holy Spirit, that you would be willing to do exactly what we see this morning in the Scripture. So Luke, Luke 5, let, let's jump in. This is what God's Word says. Luke 5, it says, On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the Word of God, this, this is Jesus, and so the crowd starting to press in, starting to get around him. And, and my question when I see little things like this is always, well, why? While, I mean, this is early on in his ministry. There hasn't been a lot that's take, taken place yet, but there's been some things, and I'm sure word was starting to spread a little bit, but, but why would the crowd be so interested in Jesus now, in this moment? And I believe one of the reasons, and there's, I think there's a list of it, but one of the reasons is because there's just something different about Jesus. The way that he taught, the way that he lived out, the way that he spoke, the authority that he had. I just believe that he was real and he was consistent. And that is something that we need in our world today, is it not? We need people who are real and we need people who are consistent. We need to be that. We need to live that out. I mean, I'm sure word had started to spread a little bit about who Jesus was. I mean, he already healed some that had taken place. But the question that I want to ask you this morning as we jump into this, as we start here, are people drawn to you because of what God has done in you or is doing in you? Does this world see a difference, church? Because what I've learned and what I know is this, is that we will never make an impact in this world looking like the world, acting like the world, responding like the world, being like the world. But where we make the greatest impact is where we're contrary to the world. Where, where we're like Jesus, where we live him out, where we follow after him in obedience, and we talk like, walk like, live like, do like Jesus did. That's where we will make waves. That's where we will have opportunity to reach. That's where we can influence. So are people drawn to you? I mean, do they really see something different in you and about you? I mean, every area of your life. I mean, see, that, that's what's crazy is the different hats that we'll wear, the different uh, things that we will do differently behind closed doors or in this setting or in this place. And Jesus calls for consistency. We don't ever disconnect from being a follower of Christ. Regardless of how crazy the situation gets, 
how tense it gets or how great it may be. Or when we get home, we can finally take that coat off and we can just be us again. No, no. Uh, us, for those of us in Jesus, us is Jesus. Uh, us is Christ. Uh, us is being like he would be everywhere, every facet of our life. So are people drawn to you? Or do they think that you're ridiculous because you say one thing, but you live completely contrary to what you say? See, Christianity isn't just a Sunday morning for two hours. No, no. Christianity is a continual fellowship of Jesus every moment of every day. 365, till he calls you home. That's what he asks for. And, and, I mean, I'm, and I'm not even, even saying that we're going to nail it every time. I'm not, I'm not saying that we're going to get it right every single time, that we're going to live perfect. I mean, do you know the amount of times that I have to apologize to people? Do you know the amount of times that I let my emotions get the best of me? I mean, I'm a passionate person. I can go full in a moment. I mean, I mean do you, so I'm not saying that we live perfectly every single time. But on the scale, we better be pressing toward that of godliness and holiness. Uh, that of Christ-likeness. I mean, we're, we're all going to pull it mess up. And, and I even say, when we do, uh, give glory to God because in that we own it. And we repent and we get back on track and go. See, see, the world wants to cover. The world wants to make excuse. The world wants to point blame at every other single thing. Not us. We know that there's too much world in us and that Jesus is doing a work in us, sanctifying us and getting the world out of us. So just own it. We know it's true. So just own it, repent, and let's press on. And I would just even say, man, what that would even do in the world. So, so do you look like the world? Or do you look like Christ? So the story goes on. So you've got Jesus here. The crowd's pressing in. And, and as we continue in verse 5, he was standing by the lake of Genesaret. And so this is this freshwater body here and the main source of water and commerce. And so uh, this would be a very popular area to gather. A great number of people would come here and gather here. And verse 2 says that he saw uh, two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them, and they were washing their nets. They were preparing from uh, what took place that night. And so what Jesus does is this, is he gets into one of the boats. And one of those boats just happened to be Simon's. And I don't know why, but I just feel the need to say this here for this moment. It didn't just happen to be Simon's. Jesus knew that he needed to get in Simon's boat. And I say that to say this, is that maybe this morning he needs to get in your boat for a moment. That you didn't wander into this place accidentally. You didn't just happen to make it here this morning by accident. But, th but that our God is very intentional with everything. The smallest of details he's aware of and he knows. The smallest details he cares about. So it's not an, there's no accidents with God. Just his sovereign will working and doing. So he just gets in Simon's boat here. And what I want to do is I just want to push pause for a moment because what we're going to see is a response here in just a few minutes with what Simon does. I just want to just build a little bit of backstory. Because even with knowing what I know about Simon here in this moment, it's still crazy his response at the end. Crazy in a good way. So Simon here, who we know to be Peter, uh, he, knew, he knew of Jesus. He knew of things of Jesus even before this day would unfold and he would have this run-in with Jesus. 
See, Peter had already been induced to him, or introduced to him, uh, uh, back in John chapter 1, where he has his brother Andrew uh, take him to him, and they, they get to meet him, and, and Jesus ends up giving him a new name there. See, Jesus had already been in Peter's house, where he heals his mother-in-law, is what it says just a few verses before this. So Peter was aware. Peter knew of. And he was already grappling with trusting Jesus and even the call that Jesus was going to put on his life. And so, so maybe you're in the same place this morning. Maybe, maybe you know him, you're aware of him, and you know that there's greater purpose for you, you know there's greater direction for you, you know that God wants to do something deeper in you. And so maybe the Lord's going to ask you to trust him. And maybe this morning in two ways, two, two different areas. Maybe one's going to be for salvation. Awakening in you that reality that you need him as your Lord and Savior. That, that you can't, that you're not enough, that you'll never be able to do it. Or maybe the other way that he's going to uh, uh, ask you to trust him is, is to dive deeper with him. To, to go deeper in who he is. To walk closer to, to follow out in obedience even more. I mean, do you, do you know how surface level the church has become? How uncommitted the church has come. I don't know why, but God's just leading here, so we'll, we'll take this trail for a moment and we'll come back to but, uh, but, but have you. But I mean, have you thought about that? There are more requirements to be a part of a team or a part of a club or a part of many, many other things than there is the church nowadays. And the level of commitment and expectance from has gone up far more for other organizations and other things that are not pointing people to life-giving realities. And the amount of time and energy and effort that we'll put into that. And then we'll have to beg and plead and bargain and offer and do so much stuff to try to get the church to do anything. To try to get the church to, to be unified or to be a part of or to, to follow after Jesus. The level of commitment. And so maybe this morning what Jesus is asking you to do to trust him and that, that step of trust would be uh, going deeper. Maybe personally growing in knowledge and understanding and understanding of the word. Maybe, you know what, Scott, maybe it's time for me to start giving my life away. Maybe I need to open up myself. I mean, we've got ministries that take place here that go on here. Where we need you. Where we need you. I don't know if you were familiar with the gentleman over here that played the piano this morning. One of the godliest men you'll ever meet. He gets here early in the morning and he gets everything kicked on, turned on, so our online presence will be good. So everything, I mean, these TVs, all this stuff. If something happens in the middle of something, he's like our our uh, our. our call to get, hey, what do we do here? How do we do that? All of this stuff. I mean, I mean, everything that you see, take him. And so we were talking a little bit, and just, man, I know this guy's hard, and I know him, and I'm sorry if I'm embarrassing him, but um, I'm not sorry that I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not sorry. Um, but man, you, like our online presence, you know what that does? It gets the gospel out to even more. And I just want you to take him, turn around and look at where he's standing tonight, or today. 
And it's probably after he made a visit in the room that broadcasts everything to make sure everything was good there. Like, like I walked by before they practiced, and I mean, he was up there practicing all that. I walked by, and he was like up underneath. He looked like a car mechanic fixing, like doing an oil change. I'm like, he's up under the desk. I need to get you one of those little roller things you can lay down and make it a little easier. But, um, but like, he's up under the desk doing, I mean, he's like, we, we need help. I mean, and, and, and that's, that's easy. Right there, and we've even got like this Zoom thing. We don't want you to get too close to this because that might scare people off. But anyways, um, not to mention our children's ministry. I mean, we've got kids right now that are learning about Jesus in these rooms over here. Some are having their own worship service. It's crazy to me that I have to stand up here this morning and beg you and plead with you. Oh, come on, man. To invest in some kids, to invest in ministry. But at a drop of a hat, if I would call you and say, hey, let's go do this, you would cancel half of your day to be a part of something else. And that we have to beg in the church. And so maybe this morning, just maybe this morning, Jesus is asking you to trust him a little bit more with your time, uh, with your, your, your serving and being a part of, and your obedience and going deeper this morning. I don't know why the Lord just put that on my heart. So let's keep going. And so this is what Jesus does. He asks him to put, um, put out a little from the land, and he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. And so this is a big deal. This is something that we miss, something that we don't see, because it was custom for a teacher to stand out of respect during the reading of the Scripture. But what does Jesus do? He humbly sits to teach. It's as if he's getting on their level. It's as if he's getting right where they're at. And I just love Jesus' heart, how, he, how he's so personal, how he's so intimate, and how he, how he does this. And we see this all over the scriptures for a number of different people of how Jesus does this. I mean, you know the stories of the little children, right? The disciples are like, no, no, don't let them bug him. Don't let them bug. And he's like, no, no, you permit them. To, you let them come to me. And I could just imagine that Jesus was a kid guy. I mean, he had a heart for the little ones. And so we're going to try to model that with everything in us. That's why we're so active in our community and the schools. That, that's why God's put in our heart to do stuff for kids and, and youth. I mean, I, I just think we're, we want to model after what Jesus does. We want to invest in. We want to care for. I mean, so I can just imagine Jesus just being a fun guy on his knee, just, just playing with the kids, joking around with them. I see Mr. Mark standing back there. Mr. Mark's like our, our magic guy here. I can see Jesus doing maybe a magic trick or something, just like wow them. I think Jesus was fun. So we can, I mean, let's let our hair down a little bit. I think Jesus was fun, especially around kids. I, mean, I just, you see that in the scriptures. Or what about, what about this? What about even in those, those deep, dark moments? Jesus' intimacy and getting on their level. Like I think of the woman caught in adultery. You know the story in scripture, right? Where, where she's caught in, in the broad day. And what do they do? They drag her out. Throw her at Jesus' feet and says, there, there she is. You know what she's done? We've caught her in the act of adultery. Jesus, this is what the law says that we should do, but what do you say we should do? They all have these rocks in their hand ready to stone her because that's what the law would say to do. It says that Jesus just kind of kneels down and begins to draw on the sand. We don't know what he drew. We don't know what he was doing. And in that moment, he stands up. And I can just imagine at him looking at her, looking at them, He says, I know what the law says, but this is what I say. You, without sin, cast the first stone. Mm. And what does that scripture say? It says, from oldest to youngest, they drop their stone and they walk away. And you know what Jesus does? He goes over to the lady and he picks up her head and he says, where are your accusers? Oh, church, it's good. 
because the reality is he has caught every one of us in adultery, in our sin and in our shame. And what does he do? He comes for us and he rescues us and he offers us the gift of salvation. And he lifts up our head and he says, now go and sin no more. Mm. And I, just, I mean, just imagine Jesus getting on our level. I mean, can you imagine what that would do? So I just love his intentionality. I love his realness. In verse 4, he goes on, he says, And when he finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Uh, seems like, okay, I mean, that, that would make sense. But, but there's a problem with that because there's fishing protocol. You've got to understand, normally fish were netted in shallow water at night. And then they, what they do, they would migrate to the deeper water, which would make them impossible to catch. And so in this moment, when Jesus looks at him and tells him to do this, this would be crazy. I mean, Simon's trained. He's a fisherman. Think like, like Bass Pro Tour versus like Scott fishing. Why don't he like to touch the worm? Why is this gross and nasty? And then do we use worm fishing? Do we use the other like spinny things? Like, th- do we do bobber? No bobber? I mean, how do I don't even... And I grew up next to a, to a river. He's not a fishing guy. Simon was a fishing. And so Jesus asked him to do this. I mean, this, this is his livelihood. This is who he was. He knew what he was doing. And so I can just imagine maybe in this moment his expectation may have been very low, but, but at least he was willing to obey, and he, he does what Jesus says. And look at verse 5, And Simon answered him, Master, we'll toil all night. Took nothing, but at your word I'll let down the nets. I mean, I can just imagine what was going through his head. Like, he's a teacher. He's a rabbi. Just can't know about catching fish. Okay, whatever, we'll do it. And maybe in the back of his mind, well, I remember what he did with my my mother-in-law last night. Well, let's see what happens. And so he does it. And so I just just want to press here for a moment because I just just want you to hear me. Sometimes Jesus will ask you to do things that make absolutely no sense that are not logical. But what I have learned is Jesus doesn't navigate and work on the same logic that we do. His sense is so much greater and better. And this is the place. This is not the very place where he loves to hang out. Well, because in that he gets all the glory and honor. He doesn't want to, he's not going to share his glory and honor with us. You know, it's about him. We point glory and honor to him. And if we can explain it away or figure it out ourselves, then who gets glory? We do. I mean, so in this moment, he has their attention and they listen and they, they do. And what I've learned is it's in those moments that don't make sense. It's about trust and obedience. Scott, you may look crazy, you may, people may think that you are crazy and that you are nuts, but I'm going to do something far greater than you can imagine in that moment of you looking like whatever. And it's about obedience, it's about devotion. Will we trust him regardless? So do you trust him regardless of how crazy and ridiculous his request for your life may be? Like, do you trust him that way? No matter what. And so what I'm doing for us as a church, I'm praying that he'll put us in those places and help us be in those situations and those kind of times where, where, where it's, it's God or bust. So just imagine this for that in that moment. You've got this untrained teacher. I mean, you've got this, this untrained fisherman. He's not a fisherman at all. He's a, he's a teacher of the word, and he's telling these professional fishermen how to fish. So Simon goes along with it. He does it. He's obedient, even though it doesn't make sense in his mind and in his heart. In verse 6, verse six it says this, and, and when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish. So look at what their obedience got them. 
They couldn't do it on their own power at night when they were supposed to be doing it. How they're supposed to be doing it. The way that they're supposed to be doing it. But in God's power, in a situation, in a time that makes absolutely no sense and doesn't fit and line up, look at what happens. They begin to catch a large number of fish. But it doesn't stop there. It says that their nets were beginning to break. I mean, isn't that such a, like, Jesus move? Like, he didn't just catch, like, a couple little fish here and there. I'm like, okay, you've got a little fish sandwich and meal now. Go, whatever. No, no. no. He, does he not just get their attention and rock their world in this moment? I mean, so much so that their nets begin to break. And so what do they do? They signal for their partners and other boats to come out and to help them. And, and they begin to fill the boat so much that they begin to sink. Church, that's what happens when we're obedient to the Lord. When we follow Him and we do what He asks us to do and we live how He asks us to live. The boat's going to sink because of what He wants to do in us. I mean, who gets glory in that? God gets glory in that. And hear me, this is not some crazy, let's, let, let's, let, let's just jump out there. No, no, He needs to lead and He needs to speak and He needs to show and He needs to direct in that. You don't, you don't just run out in front of Him and try to figure it out and just do it and then hope He'll kind of uh, come up last minute and save us and rescue us. No, 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 we press into, we hear His voice and we follow after. That's what we see in the Scripture here. But, but look at what took place. Man, God did a work that day. And just imagine what he did in the hearts of the crowd that sees this. I mean, this is a culture and a time that is well aware of how fishing takes place. Of how this goes. But this is a time that doesn't make sense, and yet God makes perfect sense. And the story goes on in verse 8. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. And so what we see in this moment here is that Peter's sin of unbelief is exposed. It's exposed. He knew that it wasn't his expertise or his experience or his work-hard ethic or his puny faith that had brought the fish. He sees that in that moment. All he did was net them. And in that moment where the impossible feet of man collides with the sovereign reign of God, the impossible becomes possible. A sinful, wicked man submits to an all-knowing, sovereign God of the universe. In that place, God can do a work. In that place, God can show off and get glory. When the heart is broken over the reality and the condition of self. Oh, man, that's good, church. That's so good. See, it was Jesus that brought the fish in, something that only God could do in that moment. And now Peter, he has this new fear. He has this new faith and a level of trust that's going to grow into greater obedience now. And isn't that how it works? When God asks you to take a step, and you take that step even though that step may not be clear, even though that step may seem crazy, even though that, that step doesn't make sense in that moment, and it's God leading, and you take that step, and what happens? He catches every time, and he provides, and he supplies, and he does. And in that moment, what takes place? Your trust and your faith is strengthened. I mean, I can look at my life and point back to over and over and over where God's been faithful, been faithful, been faithful, done that. Scott, I've asked you to go here. Scott, I've asked you to do that. Scott, I've asked you. And, and every time that I'm obedient and do what he says, man, he just shows me his glory all the more. And he strengthens my trust and my faith in him all the more. And that's what he's doing there in Peter. That's what he's doing there in Peter. And he's the same way with us. Same way with us.
And so verse 9, he goes on, he says this. He says, for he and all who were with him were astonished. And I don't know about you, but for me, I just circled that little word, all who were with him. Those little words right there, that little phrase, for he, he being Peter, and all who were with him. There is, God did a work that day. In the hearts of people, I mean, there, there are astonishments there at the catch of fish that they had taken. Because, sir, hear me, when God moves, the world takes notice. And usually what it tries to do is tries to shut him up, turn him off, mute him, get rid of, do away with, because the world can't stand. Darkness hates the light is what the scripture teaches. And the darker it gets, the brighter we get to be. The darker it gets, the brighter we get to be. If we walk in glad obedience. And, and in that, the world's going to take notice. I mean, it may not be the whole world. It may not be uh, this organization or that place. Uh, but, but there's going to be people that take notice. People that you live next to. People that you work with. Whenever you walk out in glad obedience, uh, they're going to take notice. They're going to see it. Like, Why in the heck are you doing that? Why would you leave there to go there? Why, would you, why do you not get frustrated at this? Why do you not respond that way? They, they mistreated you. They, they, they acted like this towards you. You have every right. No, I don't because they don't belong to me. And that's when doors are opened and opportunities to be had. And we can brag on and we can talk about it and we can share with Man, let me tell you right now, everything in me wanted to blow up and go crazy. And I'm telling you, like, there's these words that I knew way back when, whenever I was unredeemed and not saved, that I would love to pull out every once in a while. He just won't let me. He just won't let me do it. And there are ways, like, I, I can't tell you the amount of times that I want to throw myself on the floor like my, like my five-year-old or, my, or, or whenever they were younger, like, throw myself on the floor and throw a fit and go crazy because I don't get my sucker when I need my sucker. Man, I can't tell you how many times I want to do that. I mean, are people not just aggravating sometimes? Frustrating? Organizations just ridiculous? Policy stupid? Sorry, I shouldn't have said that. There's kids in here. But it is. But it's not about that. It's about being under the submission and leadership of the Lord. And when we do that, man, I'm telling you, church, people will take notice. That's why it's so important that we just live different than the world. And like we don't, and, and I think... I think one of these things is, is when we think that, we like think crazy things. I'm thinking if we'll just do the small glimpses of obedience that Christ calls us into, man, how that will shine like a spotlight in the dark. Man, how that will be glaring in the eye of this dark, dark world. If we just, as it continues to get darker, we just do the small things. It's going to look like monumental stuff. Verse 10 goes on, and so also were James, John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon, and Jesus said to Simon, I just love it, here, here it is again, intentional, personal, don't be afraid. So he encourages him in that moment, picks him up in that moment, he says, from now on you will be catching men. What does Jesus do? He gets his attention, he allows him to feel the weight in that moment, he's broken, and then he invites him in to put him back together. And now that Jesus has his full, undivided attention in that moment, look at what he does in verse 11. And when they brought their boats to land, what did they do? They left everything and followed him. Church, this is where I want to press us this morning. This is where I felt like the Lord was pressing me these last few weeks. What are you unwilling to leave and follow him? What's better than he is? And if you can answer that, we need to talk. I mean, we give, we give that great lip service, do we not? 
Oh, what's better? Nothing, Jesus. You're my, uh, yes. Oh. But man, the first moment he asks you to do something that makes you uncomfortable, uh, see you next Sunday. Or, uh, oh, let me pull up my, God, have you thought about this guy right here? Text him. He would love to. He's got that personality and that makeup for it. Or, man, he's so much better at this. Why don't you, why don't you get a hold of that person? Or that woman there, she could really, she would love to go and do that and be a part of that and get, get a hold of her. So, so, so really, what, what, what would it take for you to do what Peter, James, and John did here in verse 11? What, what would it take? And what we do is when we read verses like this, we like to go kind of down that road, and I'm just I'm going to dabble for a moment and down that road. Like, we think that God might ask us, dear God, don't do this. That's only for those people that we don't like. We'll pray for their kids to have to do that. To move to a foreign country and be a missionary. We always go that route. And what I'm here to say is this, is that there's probably going to be a few more steps of obedience before he calls you to do that. And hear me, that's not a curse of God. That's a blessing of God. I mean, to think that you get to play a role on, on, in, in, the, in the nation's of spreading the gospel. I'm going to scare you to death for a second, but I pray to God that I don't die here like this. Like, like I, want, I want to be out there, and I want to do, and I want to be used, and for whatever reason, he's got me here pastoring right now, but, but I don't know what he has in store for me in the years to come. I don't know where he's going to take me, where he's going to lead me. But what I do know is that when he calls and I go, he'll provide and he'll be and he will do. I, mean, I, 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 want, I, want to, I want to die doing something cool for him. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's what I'm talking about here this morning. And I'm, saying not, I'm not saying that pastoring a church is not cool for him. And I, 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 want to, I want to be bigger than that. Like I want to do something for his glory and his honor. I don't want to die comfortable. I mean, I want to, I'm, I'm, I want to be willing to do whatever he asks whenever he asks. And that's what I want to get us to, church. That's what I want to get us to. What are you holding on to? What do you value more than following Jesus? What keeps you be, from being willing to leave everything and follow him? I mean, is it comfort? Is it convenience? Is there a relationship? And I'm just going to say this. If there's a relationship that keeps you from following Jesus, you may need to think about getting out of that relationship. Or you need to, may need to think about doing something different there in that moment. Is it friends? You may need to find some new friends. Is it children? Is it hobbies? I mean, what is it that keeps you from leaving everything and following him? I'm just going to ask you again. Do you trust Jesus to the point that you're willing to follow wherever and whenever? Are you willing to do that? So as the band comes back up, two final thoughts, and then kind of leave you with a game plan. See, see, Jesus asks us to trust him in our weakness. That's what we see here. See, Jesus determined that the best time to call Peter to fellowship, to follow him, was when Peter was when? At his weakest. Having done his human best at the thing that he was best at, Peter comes up empty. He's exhausted, worked all night. And so why was this the best time? It was because Peter needed his pride and unbelief and weakness exposed. 
He needed to see himself as someone who apart from Jesus could do nothing. He needed to know and see Jesus for who he was, God. And then he enters into and follows. The second thing I would leave you with is this. Jesus is always the one who provides. Whatever the calling is, whatever the asking is, whatever the commissioning is, Jesus is always the one who provides. See, when Peter and his partners dropped their nets, Jesus filled them. That's who filled them. It was a powerful, trust-shaping moment. Jesus rules the fish of the sea, and he fills their nets. As many or as few as he sees fit. So it's our job as the redeemed to listen to Jesus and prayerfully follow. To listen and follow. Whatever nets the Lord has provided us, let him fill it. Whatever vision he gives us, he will bring it to fruition. Whatever road he asks us to go down, he will provide and take care of us on that journey. So when Jesus tells us to fish, we don't place our faith in our own expertise or lack of. But what we do is we move into and we press him. At his word, let's just faithfully go out and let down our nets. Let's trust him to fill it. Let's trust him to take care of it. Let's trust him to, to bring in whatever he needs to bring in and do whatever he needs to do. The fish are his. The situation belongs to him. We may just find that he will give us more than we can handle. If we would just get over ourselves and be obedient to him. And so I think before we can continue to travel down this road over the next few weeks, because what I believe God's going to do, he's, he's called me to press on us a little bit over the next few weeks, maybe month and a half over this, but I think before we can get to that place, we've got we to get over us first. We've got to look inwardly to us. for Okay, God, wh- where are some areas maybe I'm not trusting you? Where are some things that maybe you've asked me to do and I'm just not being obedient in? And hear me, church, this is a good gift of God. Conviction is a good gift of God whereby the Holy Spirit presses upon us areas of sin and disobedience. And that just shows that he loves us because he points it out to us. I mean, how horrific would it be if he never said a word to us and just let us live life our whole life thinking that we were something that we're not? But instead he presses on us because he loves us. And he has purpose and he has plan and he has direction. And his direction is to reach the world, make disciples of all nations. So I believe before we can be ready for what I think that he's pressed upon my heart and some vision and mission stuff, organization type stuff, expansion type stuff, that we'll be getting to over the next few weeks. I think before we can get to that place, we, we just need to look inwardly and be like, okay, God, what area? Where am I not willing to obey and follow? Because you don't know how hard that is. Because you don't know how difficult that is. Any other area but that area. God, are you sure? Which would be a great indicator that there's that area that he wants to go into. And he wants to liberate and make you free. Because you think you're holding on, you think you're controlling that moment, you're controlling that situation, you're doing something in that moment, you think that you've got something, and, and really all that is is bondage. And true freedom is walking in him, his guiding and his leading. And so I don't know what God stirred in your heart this morning as a result of his word, but man, I just want to ask you to begin to pray. Ask him that question. God, what, what do you want to do? God, what do you want to say? God, what are those areas? What's happening? Why, why, why am I so, like, get so amped up about that? Or why is that a hands-off area? Or, no, you can't touch. Or don't. So, God, what do you want to do there?
maybe just maybe that's an area where God's saying, I, I, I want to go in there and turn the light on for a moment and clean up and do. Because that's an area where you've said no. And so it's easy to stand up here and preach something like this at, at y'all, preach to y'all. But what I want you to know is this, is that, that God has worn me out over the, the last few weeks on sabbatical about this. And, and I had a great opportunity this week. I didn't know if I was going to share this or not. I just feel like this would be good for us here in this moment. I had a great opportunity this past week as, as I've got like my accountability guy, the guy that I talk to weekly, the guy that I share my heart with, the guy that asks me questions all the time. And there's complete and utter honesty and openness. And just in, in this, didn't talk too much through sabbatical. He just wanted to let me go and just be and just being able to talk to him. He comes by this week and we're, we're sitting there talking for a little bit and, and just things like that. And I just start to share with him some stuff on my heart. And begin to share with him like maybe some like insecurities that I have. And areas where I feel like God was kind of pressing and I think for me, over the last few years, three years of, of God moving me into this position and calling me to lead his, his church, his people, his bride, I think there's been a lot of things out of fear that I've done. Maybe I didn't have this conversation or I didn't press here like I should have or I didn't because of fear. Fear of what they may say, fear of what they may think, fear of who they may tell, fear that they may leave, fear that they may not like. And what I got reminded of this week, in this story that I've been studying and reading and praying through, and with my guy who just roughs me up for the Lord, was you've got to decide who you're going to follow. You've got to decide who you're going to trust. Am I going to trust the Lord? Or am I going to trust the opinion of man? Am I going to fear the Lord? Or am I going to fear what a few may say or how a few may react or what a few may think of me or what a few may run off and do? And what that is is just an area where I'm holding back and I'm not trusting the Lord in. Because if God has called me to do it, is he not going to bring it to happen? I mean, is he not going to supply and do? And again, I always want to have that system where I'm making sure it's God's voice and not Scott's voice because they sound very similar a lot of the times, especially when it's for the betterment of Scott. And so for me, this week, this story, I don't know about you, but I needed it. Am I willing to leave everything and follow him? Are you willing to leave everything and follow him? And this is a perfect lead up into what we're about to do here in a few moments as the body of Christ, as we take communion together and we celebrate and worship who Jesus Christ is and what he has done for us. As we take that bread, which is a symbol of his body, and we take that juice, which is a symbol of his blood that was shed for us. And what Paul says to the church at Corinth before they, uh, right after that is, is that we need to examine ourselves. And see, and so this is a perfect time to examine what areas of your life are you not willing to follow him in? Are you not willing to trust him in? Are you not willing to let go of? And so my hope is that he stirs up in us that reality and that repentance would take place, conviction would happen, and repentance to follow. Man, and then we get to celebrate the resurrected Savior. 
who has invited us and called us into. So I don't know where you're at. I don't know what God's done in your heart this morning, what his word has said to you, how the Holy Spirit has, has worked this morning in this place to the proclamation of his word. But man, I want to encourage you to be obedient. If you don't know him as Lord and Savior, I'd love to talk more about what that means. You know, we've got Austin, we've got trustees, we've got people who'd love to share with you the gospel and help you come to understand that better. Or maybe if there's sin in your heart, this altar, man, you come pray and you lay it out before the Lord and you repent and you get up and you walk and follow. But you do business with the Lord as he calls you to as we prepare to take communion together as the body. Father, help us this morning in this place. Hear your voice and follow after you. Holy Spirit, speak to our heart. Convict us, show us. God, I would be willing to bet that there's every, every single one of us in this room has areas that we, we like to hold on to too tightly. Father, expose that this morning. Convict us, draw us, help us, lead us into repentance. And then we pray. Amen. If you would stand, the band's going to lead us. And at this time, if you need to, we're going to pull in. I think, Pete, if you could grab communion. There's the elements of the, the, the table out there. If you'll grab that and pull it in. If you need communion elements, they'll be right back here at the back. But you get those, and you do business with the Lord as you see fit.
Awesome. Let's, um, I just want to read for a moment. If you have the elements, go ahead and grab those of communion. Um, and so what we believe is that communion is for the church, is for believers, who, for those who have passed from death to life because of um, just as you read and see what God's Word says about this. As I said earlier, as Paul writes to the church there, says, examine themselves who eat and drink, uh, drink of, of the cup for anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. So we believe this is a very serious time where we get to enter into worship with the Lord this way. And so this, this is what God's Word says, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Corinth. Try to get my stuff open here. And he says this, he says, verse 23, he says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread, and we had given thanks, he broke it, broke it, and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So Jesus says when we, we do this, we do this remembering what this stands for. His body, broken for us. Nailed to that cross because of our sin. And he willingly takes that upon himself. And so he says when we, when we take this, remember. Remember what this is. So I'm going to ask you if you join me as we pray. Father, we love you, Jesus. We thank you and praise you. Thank you so much for your word this morning. Thank you so much for this opportunity to enter into and be reminded of how glorious and great you are. Father, what you accomplished on that cross. Your body broken for us. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. And we pray. Amen. Take and eat. Verse 25, he goes on, he says this in the same way. Also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, what you do is you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So what we do by taking this, we say, yes, we believe that Jesus is who he says he is, and he's accomplished what he said he's accomplished. That he is the living Son of God, ruling and reigning at the right hand of the Father. Our sin and our shame he took upon himself. Bore that in himself died a death he did not deserve so that you and I could enter into a relationship with the Father. He made a way where there was no way. And he says every time that we do this, we're proclaiming to a world that we're his and that we believe he is who he says he is. So take and drink. Father, we love you, Jesus. We thank you. We praise you. Thank you for your blood that was spilled for us, for the remission of our sin, the forgiveness of our sin. Oh, Father God, may we not take lightly what we're participating in this morning, what we're entering into this morning. Oh, what a privilege and honor it is to be reminded of how sweet and how good you are. Father, how intentional you are, how you have called us, saved us, redeemed us. And Father, as we take this, we're reminded of that. God, our sin and our shame was absorbed in you on that cross. And you became for us what we could never become for ourselves. Father, help us proclaim all the more that reality and that truth. And we pray, amen, take and drink. So for me, I'm just going to kind of let the cat out of the bag for a second as we kind of continue to worship. So for me, one of the things that Eric and I have been talking about a little bit and praying through here, here recently was this, is that for us as a church, everything that we do in this place is for worship. Everything. 
I mean, the time we pray is not just a filler, the time we gather in this place. And so one of the things that we want to do is this, is God's words proclaim, and we, we want to enter into response to that, to, into worship for that. And so what you're going to be experiencing over the next few weeks as we kind of start to transition and move toward in some areas and some different things that we're going to be doing and trying in this place to lead us all the more into worship. One of the things that we want to do at the end of our service is not just finish with one song. Man, we, we want to celebrate the reality of who Jesus is. And we want to give ample opportunity to respond to God's, God's word and his call and his conviction and his moving. And so one of the things that we want to start to do is this, is we want to start to have more worship at the end. So that we can respond properly to the word of God. To his leading and his guiding. And so they're going to lead us some more as we, as we worship. And then I'm just going to ask you if you would, you would pray us out. And, and man, you go and you follow him in every area of your life this week. And you see what he does for his glory and his honor.